0: We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Thursday. Been kind of a messy week so far. A lot of things to talk about that. And we'll get to that shortly. Of course, next week is going to be an absolute joyous shit show. The J-6 committee is going to come out on Monday and have a hearing, kind of wrapping things up with their investigation into the insurrection on January 6th. They're going to do some voting on what they're going to release. It's pretty much going to be a formality, maybe discuss some of the evidence and some of the witnesses, and then they are going to make some criminal referrals and uh, we expect Donald Trump will be one of those referrals. Now, as I said yesterday, referrals don't mean automatic indictments. These are just suggestions by Congress to the Department of Justice. They will get a lot of information from the J-6 committee, and they will get the recommendations from the J-6 committee. But when it comes to handing out indictments, that decision will come by way of Jack Smith, the special counsel, and Merrick Garland, the attorney general. And I think you can expect some indictments, too, but we'll have to wait a bit to see what happens there. They might even be waiting till after the J-6 committee finishes before they do the indictments. And, and Monday is the day they will make their final report. But on Wednesday of next week, they are going to release the evidence they've compiled. The witness testimony, the text messages, the email messages, the documents of all sorts. And they're releasing all of them, every fucking shred of them they're releasing. So this is going to be very compelling. As I've said before in a previous podcast, it's going to be a feeding frenzy out there. Once it's out there and available, the media is going to latch onto this and go through it very quickly. A lot of people doing podcasts, blog posts, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Everybody will be looking at all of this stuff. So you'll hear it from a bunch of different angles. But the important thing is the information gets out. And I can promise you this. If that evidence is available on a website, I'm going to go down there and pick out as much stuff as I can and keep picking out stuff. I'm going to go through it and I'm going to present it to you in the most specific Uh, form I can possibly do I get people talking to me a lot about distilling things down and and delivering it simply and I'll tell you where I got that from years ago when I was kind of training to go into broadcasting we're talking about the late 70s I had a teacher who told me something and it stuck with me forever this teacher said, you're in broadcasting now and your job is to communicate, not to impress people with your vocabulary or or making your presentation this huge flourish and make it, uh, you know, just hard to understand. Your job as a communicator or a broadcaster is to tell people what you want them to hear and make sure in no uncertain terms that they understand what you mean. And there was kind of a contradictory guy to that premise back in those days. There was a sports announcer named Howard Cosell. Now, Howard Cosell had had, uh, a trait where he had a very big vocabulary, and he used it extensively, and he told these huge convoluted stories. And I never was a fan of Howard Cosell. He's an icon of that era and of sports, but I never liked him because it seemed so arrogant the way he talked. And uh, this teacher told me, he says, You don't want to do that. Now, for whatever reason, it worked for Howard Cosell. And that's what I told him. I said, Howard Cosell does it, it works for him. And he looked at me and he says, Well, you ain't fucking Howard Cosell. And he had a point. I was not, I was a kid. So with that lesson, I've always tried to kind of bring things down to the bottom line and be able to describe them at that point. And that's what I do, not only for you, but as I said in the previous podcast for me, I need to really understand things if I'm going to explain it to you. And the only way I can understand things is if I make it simple for myself. That's something I've learned in my life, too, now that I'm 62 years old, having gone through all the things we all go through, having houses, having kids, buying cars, buying boats, and doing all this stuff. Now at 62 years of age, I live in a condo. Uh, I kind of do what I want, but I have far less things than I once had. I have far less to worry about. And I got to tell you, once you simplify life, it's so much more fun. It really fucking is. I know it's hard when you're younger because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and do all this shit. But if you can simplify things, the quicker, the better. Because your life gets so much easier. And I use that same premise in trying to pitch information to you, the podcast listener, or TikTok, or Facebook, or Instagram, or what have you. Anyhow, we got a lot of stuff going on next week, certainly. But this week as well. And uh, let's talk about some of the things that have been going on this week and will be coming up uh, before we get to the weekend. Before we do that, I have one short email. And this email comes to me from Bren from Canada. We have a lot of people up in Canada listening. I always found that strange, you know. But apparently there's a lot of interest in American politics up in in, uh, Canada. And I guess that makes sense. You know, what happens down here ultimately impacts people up there one way or another. And if for no other reason, you know, watching American politics in this country to them has got to be a lot like us watching Yellowstone. It's a fucking uh, it, it, it's a fucking shit show every day and it's got to be entertaining as well. Anyway, Bren says this. Hey, Boomer, where's Ed. that's a good question. Where the fuck is that? And you know what? I asked myself that yesterday after I saw this email and I thought, yeah, you know, it's weird. I haven't heard from Ed recently. He hasn't been on the show for a while. I need to kick him in the ass and see what's going on. Now, of course we had the holiday with Thanksgiving. He was out of town. I was out of town at different times. So, Uh, We didn't connect up. So yesterday, after getting this note from Bren, I sent him a text. I said, dude, where are you? You have time to record tomorrow? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it at noon. Noon his time, 11 my time, which is when we usually do it. So, Bren, I don't know where Ed's been, but I'll certainly ask him on the show. And later today, you will hear a show, a Rational Boomer podcast with Ed. I'm looking forward to it. It's always fun to do a show with Ed. I've known him for years. I work with him for many years, and we have a uh, rapport when we're on the air, or in this case, on a podcast, and a very easy show to do, because I don't have to carry the whole thing. Ed could carry the whole thing if I let him do it. Won't let him do that, of course, because of my own fucking ego, but uh, it's always fun to talk to him, and he'll have some great insights about some of the things that are going on. So, Bren, you asked about Ed. That's the story. He's coming up. Get ready for that podcast later today. Now, she goes on to say, love your podcast. You're my go-to podcast every day. Keep up the fantastic work. Merry Christmas, Bren from Canada. Well, Bren, Merry Christmas to you as well. I appreciate the kind words. A little kick in the ass to get Ed back on. It worked. He will be back on. Now, you remember when I told you uh, when Donald Trump was talking about terminating the Constitution? People thought, yeah, this is a crazy fucking thing for him to say. It really caused a backlash on him. It kicked him in the ass. I said, you know, Donald Trump's in a position now where things are not going right. People of the Republican Party are stepping away from him. Evidence is coming out every day. He's getting closer to indictments. The J-6 committee is probably going to refer him to the uh, criminally to the uh, DOJ. And I said when people like this get in these situations and their normal strategies don't work anymore, they become unhinged. They flail around and they will do and say pretty much anything. Even if it sounds crazy, they will fucking do it. (laughs) And uh, as predicted, that's what Donald Trump is doing. And yesterday he came out with something that is pretty crazy, uh, a little mysterious, (laughs) but so goddamn entertaining. I have to laugh every time I see Donald Trump end up on television. So anyway. Former President Donald Trump teased an upcoming announcement with a superhero-themed video yesterday baiting his true social followers with a promise of a major announcement the following day, which is today. I heard it was 11 a.m. I'm presuming that's Eastern Time, which would mean 10 o'clock here, Central Time. But he's got a big announcement. Now, in the 15-second clip, the 76-year-old Trump told viewers that America needs a superhero. And then you had these big superhero music going on the screen. And it cut away to an animation of the former president posing like Superman in front of Trump Tower, tearing open his business suit to reveal a chiseled T-Logo body suit and laser-like eyes. (laughs) Wow. You know, I've seen Trumplefucks do this, but how big an ego do you have to do to do it for yourself? The message concludes with the text promising a major announcement December 15th. Now, what in the fucking world could he be thinking to announce? The bizarre video is not the first time Trump has borrowed from pop culture to promote his agenda. Remember in November 2018 he famously teased sanctions on Iran by tweeting a Game of Thrones inspired meme. Months later in 2019 he tweeted a fan-made video aimed at celebrity detractors to set set the score of the 2012 film <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. Uh. <laughs> remember remember Saturday Night Live when Dana Carvey <laughs> did the church lady? The church lady in this situation might say, Well now, you seem very proud of yourself. <laughs> now Trump's team didn't immediately respond to inquiries, but speculation swirled on social media about what the announcement might be. I think we can all speculate. Now the guesses include Trump's announcing a return to Twitter after CEO Elon Musk restored his account on November nineteenth, which is possible. The reason he hasn't gotten back on Twitter is because he has some contractual or legal restrictions by being on True Social. He can't be on True Social and then all of a sudden jump back into things on Twitter. It would <laughs> it would be It would work against his efforts with Truth Social. And they're having enough fucking problems at this point. Now, of course, Trump launched Truth Social last year after he was booted from Twitter. After his supporters stormed the Capitol. And in an effort to overturn his 2020 election loss, he he was trying to come up with ways to get back out and talk to people. Now, other possibilities, Trump announcing he, his intention or his intended running mate. <laughs> this motherfucker announced he's going to run for the presidency two years ahead of time. <laughs> and, and really, you're going to also announce a running mate? Well, that's possible. You know Donald Trump is looking for attention. And you know he loves to distract so he knows that on Monday, he's probably going to get a criminal referral. So he figures if he comes out with something on Friday, maybe it'll be such big news, such explosive news that nobody will pay attention on Monday. Yeah, I don't think that's that's a possibility. Now, the funniest thing, the funniest thing I heard, uh, people predicting what he's going to announce, somebody said that uh, maybe he's going to run for uh, being the Speaker of the House. Now, it's not crazy in one respect, because nobody in the Republican Party can get 218 votes, but i got to be honest, Donald Trump is not going to get 218 votes either. That's not going to fucking happen. There's too many people that are sick of Donald Trump, that think he costs them the midterm, so they aren't going to hop back on board that fucking crazy train because it's not going to work out well for them. There's one other possibility I haven't heard anybody say as yet. We know that Mike Lindell is running against Ronna McDaniel to be the head of the RNC. Now, Mike Lindell has no choice. He's a fucking fool. He's a fucking buffoon. But what if Donald Trump said, I'm going to run to be head of the rnc again i don't think he can win i'll be honest with you ronna mcdaniel has her problems too but what is donald trump going to do now another thing that's conceivable with donald trump and his big announcement is that it's ridiculous and it's anticlimactic and it's just fucking stupid that's an excellent chance for that, but I got to be honest. I'll be sitting waiting to hear what it is, cause if it's nothing else, it will be fucking entertaining, <laughs> and it'll be yet another thing to make fun of Donald Trump over. I'm looking forward to this it should It should be very fucking entertaining, but if he thinks he's honestly going to cause enough of a distraction. Enough of a bombshell to um, overshadow what's happening Monday and Wednesday of next week. Uh, That's kind of a pitiful attempt. There's no chance of that. That's going to be the big news next week. And the news is going to come out and it's going to keep coming. I mean, they had a million documents. This shit's going to keep coming out. The media's going to go through it. Everybody's going to go through it. And every day there will be new shit coming out about what happened with Donald Trump during the insurrection and prior to the insurrection and after the insurrection. So Donald Trump may be trying to cause a distraction. But he's not that interesting anymore. More and more people don't give a fuck. Just a small faction of people, his base, care enough to really pay attention or be distracted by whatever it is he fucking offers. It's just, it's just hilarious to me that he does this little 15-second thing and he has this cartoon character, Donald Trump, with a T on his chest. And, of course, he's in, he, he's, he's, uh, in perfect shape, this sculpted body. Donald Trump is a fat tub of shit. (laughs) Now, before you say, Mike, you shouldn't body shame, listen to me. I'm 62 years old. I'm not in the best shape. And I think the rule is I can body shame somebody if I own up to the fact that my own body isn't exactly in the peak condition. Since he and I are kind of in the same realm, he's... Yeah, but he's dumber. I think I can make that observation, and I do. He's a big tub of shit. He eats Big Macs all day. He's 76 years old, and uh, if nothing else stops him, a fucking clog in one of his arteries is bound to stop him at some point in the next couple of years. Let's talk more about Donald Trump. Everybody says to me, why do you keep talking about Donald Trump? Why don't you just let it go? No, bitch. Donald Trump still pretty much leads this Republican Party. Oftentimes, he leads the narrative. He is still a danger to this country. And until that danger is extinguished, I'm going to be talking about Donald Trump. Now, just weeks after touting a new super PAC to help Republican candidates in the November midterms, Donald Trump wound up spending just a fraction of the $100 million he had available, and he hoarded the rest for his own 2024 presidential run. Well, there's a big surprise. Donald Trump collects a bunch of money, says he's going to help his buddies uh, in the midterms, and then he just gives a fraction of it to those people. They don't win, so he was of no help there. And he's hoarding the money for his own presidential run. Now, I question that. How much of this is he going to pocket? Sure, he could get uh, in trouble legally if he pockets all this money. But that crime is so minimal compared to all these other crimes. Who the fuck cares? He might as well stuff that $100 million in his pocket. Because it may be the last $100 million he has. Now the former president in October transferred 60 million from his Save America Leadership PAC to his Make America Great Again Super PAC which was ostensibly created to boost GOP candidates in tight races. It collected another 9 million from an existing pro-Trump super PAC and 4 million from new contributions. Of that 73 million though, only 15 million dollars Went toward electing Republicans in five Senate races, according to a Huffington Post analysis of federal election commissions. Remember when he was um, fundraising for Herschel Walker? <laughs> he was he was asking people to give money to the Herschel Walker campaign. We got to make Herschel win, except. When, when you made the donation, at that point, it was split up. 90 went to Donald, 10 went to Herschel. What a fucking scam. What a absolute scam artist. And, you know, we should fucking know this. Um, he didn't help Herschel Walker much at all for his runoff. A full $54 million remains available for the Super PAC's new stated goal, helping Trump win back the White House. It's so obvious to the point of cliche at this point that Trump is in this for one person, one person only. That, of course, is himself. He steals fundraising, picks lousy candidates, and is an anchor anchor in competitive races. So no one would wonder how much longer the party tolerates this loser nonsense. And that comes from former House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. Now, Taylor Butterwich, great name, formerly a spokesman for Save America and now the head of MAGA, Inc. There's a fucking MAGA, Inc., really? He did not respond to inquiries. He told Politico in late September that... uh, president trump is committed to saving america and make america great again well he's a fucking superhero now so of course he's going to save america very dramatically he says make america great again will ensure that it is achieved at the ballot box in november and beyond now, on December 9th, in an op-ed published by Newsmax, so you know what that's worth, but of which describes MAGA Inc. as the primary super PAC supporting Donald Trump's 2024 campaign for president, Robert McGuire, a campaign finance analyst at the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, pointed out that spending unlimited amounts of money on behalf of other candidates was something Save America could do on its own. That leadership pack, however, is not allowed to spend on behalf of Trump's own candidacy, something the super PAC, which in theory is independent, so Trump can do. So what he did is he used the midterms pretty much as an excuse to dump piles of money into a super PAC that was always meant for Trump's favorite candidate himself, McGuire said. Republicans ended up with an unexpectedly poor showing in the midterms, barely flipping the House, and actually losing a seat in the Senate. So the fact of the matter is Donald Trump was was supposed to be raising funds to help in the midterms, but uh, he really didn't do anything. He gave a little bit of money, but... Uh, he really didn't do much of anything. Now, there's a gentleman by the name of Harmeet Dillon. I think that's how you uh, pronounce it. A Republican National Committee member from California. And actually, he's challenging Ronald McDaniel for the RNC chairmanship. He says, We really have to modernize to compete with the Democrats dollar for dollar in the ways they fundraise. <laughs> Now, Dylan counts Trump as a client. Oh, it's a woman. I'm sorry. Counts Trump as a woman in her law practice. So he's one of one of Donald, or she's one of Donald Trump's lawyers, and she's running for the RNC. Yeah, you probably don't want to do that if you're trying to walk away from Donald Trump. And she failed to mention that Trump's Save America collected $147 million in small-dollar donations over the past two years, a significant percentage of all under $200 contributions given to all Republicans. See, that's what Donnie does. He collects all this money, puts it in his pockets, and really quiet about it, really quiet. Now there's this Scott Jennings. He's a former White House political advisor to George W. Bush and kind of an ally of, GOP leader Mitch McConnell. He said Trump hoarding cash wasn't helpful. You think? Especially since he dragged most of these losing candidates into the races, they eventually lost. Now McConnell's super PAC, of course he's got a fucking super PAC, in contrast, spent a total of $274 million helping Republican Senate candidates. And we know Donald Trump hates uh, McConnell and all of his fans hate McConnell. Now, Trump put in maybe $15 million. McConnell super PAC, in contrast, spent a total of $274 million. There's got to be... Not many fans with Donald Trump. After a poor showing in the midterms and offering absolutely no fucking help, who's going to want to side with Donald Trump? He's got his big announcement. What's he going to do? <laughs> is he going to own up to the, that he fucked up the midterms? Is he going to turn himself in? Is he going to confess? Well, of course, none of that is going to happen. It's going to be some ridiculous statement. It's probably going to be offensive. And I think there's an excellent chance he'll implicate himself in another crime because that's just what Donald Trump fucking does. Donald Trump is a selfish man. And this is why I don't understand why these base people think he's such a benevolent guy, that he's their lord and savior. Because he is clearly one of the most selfish humans on the face of this earth. It's all about enriching him. It's all about self-aggrandizing him. It's not about helping out the cause. And by him not helping out the cause, him being the leader of the Republican Party, you see what happens in the midterms. For all intents and purposes, of course the Republicans should have won big in the Senate, won big in the House, because that's always the way it goes. But they made all kinds of mistake overturning Roe v. Wade, all the bullshit they did and standing by Donald Trump when his um, value was starting to fade. They made a lot of a lot of mistakes. And of course, Ronald McDaniel was The leader of the RNC at the time, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House. You have those kinds of problems and those kinds of failures. You have to look at your leaders and maybe switch up the leaders. It's kind of like a football team that keeps losing. You can't fire the entire team, so you fire the coach. And that's likely what's going to happen here with the RNC And even Kevin McCarthy in the House. That's why he's going to have such a tough time becoming the Speaker of the House. But my God, the possible replacements. Mike Lindell for the RNC. God knows who is Speaker of the House. We've got Trump's lawyer who wants to be leader of the RNC. And if none of them beat Ronna McDaniel, Rhonda McDaniel is a trump le in her own right. So the Republicans, if they really wanted to change things up and starting, start to win elections, they need a little bit of better leadership. They need to get rid of Ron McDaniel. They need to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. These two have fucked them over and why they were embarrassed during the midterms. The buck has to stop with them. I mean, there are many other reasons for it, but they allowed the Republican Party to go down this rabbit hole with Donald Trump and all this ridiculous shit, overturning Roe v. Wade and such. They stood behind it. They were all for it. So they made the wrong choice, and they deserve to be sent packing, and they will. But it sounds like whoever they want to replace them with is just as bad, if not fucking worse. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, we all remember this phone call Donald Trump made to Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. He was looking for 11,780 votes. He was doing all he could to try to overturn the election in Georgia. He felt like if he could do that, he could win the presidency. So he was pretty adamant about it. Unfortunately for Donald Trump, that conversation was recorded. We've all heard it, including the DOJ and the January 6th committee. And there's a lot of interest in what Donald Trump did that day. We've got uh, Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County DA. She's, of course, investigating that whole situation. And now we know Jack Smith is also looking into it. Uh, So Donald Trump's got some problems there. And the funny thing is, it seems like even though Donald Trump was unaware, the people around him were a little concerned. Aides to both Donald Trump and Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, were furiously texting each other within minutes of the start of the now infamous phone call. Now, texts show that Raffensperger's aide, Jordan Fuchs, reached out quickly to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows during the January 2nd, 2021 phone call that has landed under criminal investigation by Georgia prosecutors and the Department of Justice. Yeah, he was nervous about what was going on. Fuchs texted Meadows, need to end this call. I don't think this will be productive much longer. Meadows agreed, but added, let's save the relationship. Now, we know from other evidence that's come out over the months while January 6th committee has been working on this, Meadows kind of had a hands-off attitude about it. A lot of people complained to him. we got to get people to help people in the Capitol. we got to stop this phone call. And Mark Meadows was the chief of staff, of course, but his attitude basically was, yeah, I know it's a bad thing, but Trump wants to do it, so we'll just let him do it. That was his attitude. Clearly, Mark Meadows had no power, and that makes sense. I mean, if you work like a, for a man like Donald Trump, Whatever your title is, it doesn't make a difference because Donald Trump is going to make the final decisions. Your title is pretty much a token, and uh, you really don't have much say. And by that time, you would hope Mark Meadows would have understood that and maybe tried to push it, knowing that down the line this might cause Donald Trump more problems than whatever problems might occur from Mark Meadows trying to stop Donald Trump. But apparently not. Now, the trove of text also revealed that then-U.S. Senator David Perdue put Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani in touch with legislative leaders and expressed concern to Meadows that Trump might cancel a rally the night before his January 5th, 2021 runoff election, which was won by Democrat John Ossoff, of course. That would be a disaster, Perdue wrote. Can you call me? Thanks. The texts which turned o- were, were turned over to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection show Representative Jody Heist claiming credit for leading the Electoral College objection for Georgia. Uh-oh, probably not proud of that now, while noting that newly elected Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was directly coordinating with the former president. She was directly coordinating with the president. I thought nobody was talking to Donald Trump directly, but apparently they were. And it's odd that somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who had just gotten elected, had no standing in the House of Representatives yet, wasn't even, well, she might have been sworn in at the time, but she really hadn't done anything. Two years later, of course, she still hasn't done anything productive. She's done a lot of negative things, but nothing productive. Now, the fallouts from Monday's release of the text from former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, it seems to continue to spread as deeper dives into the trove acquired uh, by Talking Points memo reveal just how actively involved 34 Republican members of Congress were in the effort to keep Donald Trump in office. And you'll never guess who is one of the leaders, one of the most involved. You'll probably never get this. Fucking Jim Jordan. (laughs) You know he's going to be in the middle of this. You know when all this information comes out, he's going to look like a complete asshole and a criminal. And what are they going to do? They're going to uh, make him a chairperson for one of the committees on the House. Yeah, that may not last very long. So, Representative Jim Jordan sent Meadows a blueprint for then-VP Mike Pence to follow on January 6th, invoking Alexander Hamilton in his efforts to get his idea to Trump. So Jim Jordan, he probably didn't write this. He probably... Got it from somebody else, but he's the one that sent it to to, uh, Mark Meadows. On January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as president of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional, as no electoral votes at all, Jordan texted, in accordance with guidance from founding father Alexander Hamilton and judicial precedents. Well, it's not surprising that uh, Jim Jordan didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Clearly, it didn't work. Jordan was trying to use the Federalist Papers to say that the election was illegal and Mike Pence had the power to overturn it via the recognition of Trump's fake electors, which is not what Alexander Hamilton meant at all. The texts clearly show that Jordan, who is poised to chair the House Judiciary Committee, the biggest criminal in the fucking House of Representatives, and he's going to be chair of the House Judiciary Committee, that's not going to go well. He participated in a plot to overturn the results of a legitimate election. Yeah, this, this is a problem. Jordan or any of the other 33 named in the text with Meadows could be named by the January 6th House Select Committee in their criminal referrals when they hold their public meeting on Monday. And I'm hoping against hope, you know, Donald Trump is an obvious choice for a criminal referral, Mark Meadows, unless he cut a deal. But I'm really hoping that we get some sitting members of Congress, at least the the seven that were begging for pardons. They weren't begging for pardons for nothing. They know they committed crimes. So I'm hoping they don't pass on the sitting members of Congress because they're, they're clearly culpable and they are clearly play a big part in this whole insurrection and trying to overturn elections situation. As I've said before, It wasn't just a bunch of rogue people crashing into the Capitol because they got angry. There were far more parts to this whole thing, as we've talked about. We know that they were planning the fake electors. We know that uh, they wanted to attack the Capitol and stop the uh, um, electoral count by force. They are also looking at a strategy for Mike Pence to just simply say we're not counting these electoral votes. And while all that's going on, of course, you've got what's going on in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona where Donald Trump himself is trying to overturn elections there. They were pretty furiously trying to stop Joe Biden from being um, put in office, in the presidential office, the Oval Office. But, of course, they fucking failed. They always fail. And I've said this before. How in the world does a group who holds power in the Oval Office, the president, who holds power, enough power, in the DOJ, who holds power in the Supreme Court, and has all kinds of power in the House of Representatives and the Senate, how is it? They fucking failed. I mean, we're thankful that they failed we're 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 appreciative that we're not going through that shit. I mean we're going through enough shit already, but how is it they failed? That's got to be fucking embarrassing and since we're talking about embarrassing, who's more embarrassing than Roger Stone? This is a good one. <laughs> If you wonder if Roger Stone is a conspiracy theorist, well, this will put that question to rest right here. Now, see, Roger Stone claimed on a, on Sunday that a demonic portal opened up above the White House right after President Joe Biden moved in. And it is vis, it is visible for those who are looking for it. <laughs> so Joe Biden moves in, and immediately there's a de- demonic portal right above right above the White House. And apparently you can see it. Well, I've seen some pictures of the White House. I haven't seen the portal, but who knows, you know. I'm not looking for it. He told conservative radio host Eric Metaxas, He has seen it circling above the White House, as have others who spent enough time looking. During Sunday's edition of the Eric Metaxas radio show, the host asked Stone about his views on the supernatural. Yeah. Now, let me just say this. I'm not a non-believer of the supernatural, ghosts and spirits and that stuff. I'm not a disbeliever of that. I've seen enough things and... We can go into that at some other date. Um, so it's not that I don't believe that. I just don't believe Roger Stone. He is a professional liar. He is a pathological liar. And this comment and this suggestion is so fucking ridiculous. It's laughable. Now, Metaxas asks Stone to repeat to him on the air an anecdote he had previously shared so stone says i think that a portal a demonic portal opened up above the white house around the time that the bidens moved in stone said this was brought to my attention by a christian who lives in north florida who sent me a bunch of documents and also a bunch of notations from the bible about portals Stone said he first expressed skepticism, which Metaxas praised him for. Stone said, so I was skeptical about it, but I look at the photos. Also, there's a live cam where you can actually see in real time. And there does appear to be something above the White House. At first you say, oh, maybe it's a reflection. Maybe it's an aerostat balloon. Maybe there's a logical explanation. Stone said he phoned a friend of his who is a police officer in Arlington, Virginia, and asked him to investigate. Uh, Yes, officer, would you please check out a demonic portal over the White House? Let me know how that goes. (laughs) He called me back about two and a half hours later and says, you're not going to believe this, but there's definitely something there. Other people were there photographing it. Stone said he was told, oh, I bet that's true. We should call this guy. You notice he didn't give the name. Put this guy in front of a camera and ask him if Roger Stone did in fact call him. And if in fact he believes there's a demonic portal above the White House. You know, it's funny with these guys. They just pull shit out of their ass and they will say anything to push along their agenda. They feel like it's okay to lie for the greater good, which is whatever they want to happen. Now, Stone said, if one zooms in on whatever is floating above the Biden White House, it can be seen swirling like a cauldron. (laughs) I love this. I got to see this video. I'm going to look for this video and see if it really does. now, whether it's photoshopped or fucked around with, who knows? It almost would have to be. The host asked why the media has given no coverage to the portal. Stone responded, the media doesn't cover a lot of things that are true. (laughs) Yeah, of course, the media is hiding this. How come Newsmax, um, OAN, and Fox aren't reporting it? They're on your side, aren't they? So anyway, apparently there's a demonic portal over the White House has something to do with Biden, and uh, Biden is apparently a demonic sorcerer, and this is why we must get him out of office. You see how this all ties in? They got this crazy fucking concept, this crazy story. And earlier in the show, I talk about Donald Trump portraying himself as a superhero, We need a superhero. So, of course, that superhero is Donald Trump. (laughs) The 77-year-old, pants-shitting, Big Mac-eating guy (laughs) is the superhero. It kind of reminds me. You remember, well, if you're older, you'll remember. You younger people won't, won't remember this. On SNL, back when Mike Myers was on the show, He had a joke superhero, and he was called Middle-Aged Man. And, you know, he was a guy in a T-shirt and jeans and stuff, and he fixed things and did stupid shit. It was a joke. It was funny. But that's what reminds me of what Donald Trump is doing. He's literally trying to convince people he's this superhero. I mean, we heard him say this one time before, only I can fix it. Those are the words of an absolute narcissist, a pathological liar. And then Roger Stone wants to push that narrative along by saying there's some demonic portal above the White House. Joe Biden's the devil. (laughs) And they think that's going to work. They think a lot of people are going to believe this. This just shows you what I said before. These people are cornered. Their normal strategies or procedures aren't working. So they're just pulling everything out of their ass to try to convince somebody, anybody, that they're right. And, of course, they are not right. They will never be right. They are liars. And it's, it's just laughable. Since we're in a laughing vein here, let's continue with another Republican who's also kind of laughable. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky declared that Republicans have emasculated themselves by agreeing to a major spending deal and complained Republicans aren't fiscally conservative. So Rand Paul is, is saying that Republicans have emasculated themselves. What, what about the women Republicans in the House and the Senate? Did we emasculate them, too? And I got to be honest. <laughs> what was more emasculating than Rand Paul getting his ass kicked by the neighbor? I'm just saying. Now, Tuesday night, leading congressional Democrats and Republicans agreed on a framework to fund the government through most of 2023. The House is expected to vote on the measure Wednesday night, tonight, and what they did was they extended it for seven days. They've given them another week to do this because, of course, the Republicans want the country to shut down. They want the country to shut down so they can start picking apart Social Security and Medicare and all that sort of stuff. The fact is, is regardless of how tough it seems, they are going to get this deal done. They always get the deal done. Um, if the country shuts down, it's going to cost a lot of people money, you and me and all kinds of things like that. But it's also going to cost cause, cause the rich people a lot more money. So do you really think they're going to fucking do that? I don't think so. Now, some Republicans have called on their leadership to wait until the next Congress convenes when, when of course, the Republicans have control of the House. Now Rand Paul stated he is staunchly opposed to whatever deal emerges instead of one large omnibus package he said congress should pass 12 separate appropriations bills and that republicans should temporarily block one or two to gain leverage to en- enact policy changes you see you see this is the problem with the republicans you shut down the government and it's going to cause huge problems in this country, financial problems in this country. But that doesn't matter to the Republicans. All that matters is they get to own the libtards. See, the problem there is their job is specifically to work for this country and work for the people in the country. Instead, all they care about is their own benefit. Now, this brings up upon us the lie that Republicans really are fiscally conservative. Um, The Democrats aren't. They will not pretend to be fiscally conservative. Not one of them up there gives a darn about the debt. Paul noted that all it would take to sink the spending bill is 41 Republican votes, which would be enough to block cloture to advance it. It would take 41 votes, he averted or revered. If 41 of us said no and held our ground until there was a compromise, we could force Democrats to reduce spending. We have completely and totally abdicated the power of the purse. Republicans are emasculated. They have no power and they are unwilling to gain that power back. Well, let's be honest. When you've had the power, you fucked it up. So why should we give you the power back? Cudlow? He agreed with Paul and asked what the GOP stands for. Kudlow said, I mean, what do Republicans actually stand for? This has something to do with the disappointing midterm election results. Are Republicans reliable? We need lower spending. We need less government. We need lower taxes and regulations. We need a growthier economy. They always talk about a smaller government. But when Donald Trump was in office, the government grew. It, it, it's unbelievable to me to me that they say they want one thing and they do the other. And somehow some way Republicans believe that bullshit. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to tell you this right now. In spite of the fact that uh, the Republicans technically have a small majority in the House of Representatives, it's not going to go well for them. As I've said before, they're too divided. There are people that want to stick by Donald Trump and all the MAGA policies, but there's a lot of people that want to step away from it. They don't want to be lumped into that group, especially since it's a sinking ship now. So they're going to have to do something. They can't just not vote. They're going to have to vote for things that they've compromised with the Democrats. I'm convinced of that. That's the only possible way they're going to get away from Donald Trump and the MAGA fucks. They're going to have to actually accomplish some things in this country over the next two years. If they hope to have anybody uh, compete For president in the 2024 election, they're just they're just going to have to. I mean, we'll see what happens. But once they take control on January 3rd, I think they believe that all of a sudden we got the power. We're going to do all kinds of crazy shit. No, you're not. No, you are fucking not. Because it still has to go through the Senate, the Democrats have the majority, 51 seats in the Senate. Nothing is going to get through unless the Democrats want it to get through. So don't get so cocksure here. You're not really in that good a shape. Now, I bring this next one up because it's, you know, it's kind of tied to a lot of us that listen to the podcast and, of course, me, because I do TikToks. The Senate on Wednesday unanimously approved legislation that would ban the use of TikTok. Before you get excited, let me finish. Ban the use of TikTok on government phones and devices as part of a push to combat security concerns related to the Chinese-owned social media company. The No TikTok on Government Devices Act, introduced by Senator Josh Hawley, Josh the Insurrectionist Hawley, who may be getting a criminal referral, was passed via unanimous consent late Wednesday, meaning that no member objected to the bill. The proposal would prohibit certain individuals from downloading or using TikTok on any device issued by the United States Government Corporation. Now, some people will hear that and say, oh, they're banning TikTok. No, they're not banning TikTok. They can't get away with that yet. They are banning it on any government devices. Well, let's be honest here. If I've got a U.S. senator or a member of the House of Representatives or a president, for that matter, why would they have TikTok on their government device? No, of course not. I mean, if you and I worked for a company, any company, a private company, and they gave us a cell phone, would we download TikTok on our company phone? Well, no, of fucking course not. You know, this is just something they're saying to make it look like we're fighting against TikTok. And why? why are they so worried about TikTok? They're worried about the spying from the Chinese. Now, I don't know if that's a thing or not. But I tell you what they're really upset about. They're upset about how news travels so quickly on TikTok. You got people like me and some of the other people's talking about politics. And all of a sudden, this stuff that was always kept under the under the radar is now getting out there. They want to somehow limit that feed of information. Well, it's not going to work. Because even if they ultimately shut down TikTok, which they won't, there'll be some other angles. There's Instagram. There's Facebook. There's new concepts that are coming. We know that Jack Dorsey, who created TikTok and is no longer part of TikTok, now that fucking Elon Musk took it over, is working on a new social media platform. He did pretty well with Twitter, so I'm guessing whatever he's coming out with uh, will be the next hot app, so they'll never be able to shut the um, the delivery of information down. But it's something they can say, yeah, we did something. We banned TikTok on all government devices. Fuck you. Who cares? The move comes as state governments, especially those led by Republicans, have taken steps to limit the use of the app on state-owned devices. Thirteen states overall have taken action against TikTok, which is owned by ByteDance, a Beijing-owned entity. Eleven of those actions have taken place since the beginning of the month. Now, what they're trying to tell people is that TikTok is kind of a Trojan horse for the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, no, really? Chinese have to come up with an app to get what they want out of uh, America? They don't have to fucking do that. All they have to do is call Donald Trump and say, Hey, I got $10 million. How about a document? That's all they fucking have to do. It's a major security risk, they say, to the United States, and until it's forced to sever ties with China completely, it has no place on government devices. I agree. Why would you put them on government devices? But that doesn't ban the app. They say it's time for Joe Biden and the Democrats to help do the same. Now, this isn't a done deal. The bill still needs to pass through the House and then signed by President Biden to become law. So this may not even be enacted. This may not even happen. That said, it can happen in the states. In Alabama, Governor Kay Ivey said in a memo on Tuesday that data collected by TikTok could be subject to Chinese laws and allow it to be shared with the Chinese Communist Party. A group of 15 Republican state attorneys general also called on Apple and Google this week to increase the age rating for the app. They were screaming about inflation, gas prices, and the border. And this is what they're worried about. The federal government has yet to take a single meaningful action to protect American users From the threat of TikTok, Marco Marco Rubio said in a statement about the Anti-Social CCP Act. This isn't about creative videos. This is about an app that is collecting data on tens of millions of American children and adults every day. Well, Marco, it's interesting that you would bring that up, that the government has done nothing to protect American children and adults every day. Because while you're on the topic, we should remind you that with all the school shootings, the store shootings, the synagogue shootings, the government has also not done anything at all. Nothing meaningful. Now, of course, there was a recent bill passed that Joe Biden put up and had to compromise the fuck out of it. But it didn't do much to help. It was just a starting point, And much like what they're suggesting here with TikTok, it's a token thing. It makes it look like we've done something. But of course, there have been shootings after that bill has been passed. So clearly it hasn't done anything. It's amazing to me that these people are so worried about an app, but have no problem with a crazy 18 year old buying an AR-15. Come on. Somebody's got to cause them to address that fucking situation, for Christ's sake. Now, of course, we were talking about this funding bill. And a lot of people are hearing that, well, they passed this short-term funding bill. They think that was the end result. That was the end game. It was not. It was just another way to delay so they can take more time to make the decision on this. The House on Wednesday passed a short-term funding bill to avert a government shutdown, kicking Friday's funding deadline to next week to allow lawmakers more time to strike a deal on spending for the remainder of fiscal 2023. So if they don't come up with a spending bill, if they don't raise the limit, then the government shuts down. That doesn't help anybody. The poor, the rich, the government, it doesn't help anybody. It's just the Republicans' attempt to own the fucking libtards. The continuing resolution passed 224 to 201 vote. It now heads to the Senate where it must pass and be sent to President Biden's desk before midnight on Friday to avoid the shutdown. This doesn't make the bill law. This is just something to delay it a fucking week. Now, nine Republicans voted with Democrats in supporting the measure after GOP leadership urged rank-and-file members to oppose the legislation shortly after it was released. See, these people want the country to be shut down. Nothing good comes from that. It could be devastating to this country, but the Republicans do not care. All they care about is owning the libtards. Well, I wouldn't worry about this too much. In every occasion when we've been in this situation before and we've been in this situation with this Congress, it gets done. It gets done because there's really no other choice but to get it done. It's basically saying, um, the Republicans are basically saying, whatever money is spent, we're not going to back it now. And a lot of that money that was spent was from the Donald Trump administration. So they passed all this stuff, and they're fiscally responsible, but now they're saying, well, we shouldn't pay it. It Makes no sense. There is nothing gained from shutting down the government short of owning the libtards. And this is who we have representing Republicans, people who don't give a shit about the country, only care about their own business, Benefits, their own enrichment, and owning the LibTars. Don't worry about it. It will get done by next Friday, and uh, we won't have to deal with it again for a little while, a year or two, or whatever it is. So, anyway, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to actually sit and listen. That is much appreciated. A reminder, coming up later today, I should have a podcast with Ed. So if you've been waiting for that, that's coming up here pretty quickly. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.